Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis on a beautiful Friday morning. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson, and we're excited about being here in the book. I said in the book. Oh, that's good right there. Just in the book of Galatians. It's always good to be in the book, and I mean the Bible when I say in the book. And uh, tomorrow will be the first day of December, moving into the holiday season closer and closer. Uh, Only 25 days left of Christmas, so you all have plenty of time to get me a good gift this year. I'm just kidding. That's what I used to tell them out there at work. (laughs) It's like 103 days left of Christmas. Y'all got plenty of time to think about what you're getting me this year. Just joking. But... uh, uh, we're excited to be here with you today, and I pray that you would share these teachings on social media. They are always uploaded to our YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Our present ongoing Romans teaching is, is right there for you to see all of our worship services, our Together in Truth sessions that we are right now in the process of recording, this time on justification, which is a, a powerful topic. It's just to prove my point, someone sent me a message the other day and said being born again and being saved is different. So it just helped me to confirm that what we're teaching needs to be taught. People need to know that being born again and being saved is the same exact same thing. So uh, I just uh, thank God for all comments and all discussions are welcome. Just don't try to start preaching your own message on this, you know, and uh, we have ways of eliminating that, and I don't want to have to do that, but uh, you can make comments, but don't try to be a distraction and pull people away from what's being taught here. And uh, just be in prayer for our Wichita Falls outreach. Uh, it's four and a half hours uh, west, northwest of here. And uh, January, February, and March, we already have the conference room at the Hampton Inn. Uh, reserved for the second Friday night and second Saturday morning of those first three months of the year. So if you know anybody in that area, have them come and join us. And uh, we believe the Lord's going to plan a powerful cross-preaching church in that area. And we appreciate your finances as that's going to cost us around $600 a month. So uh, you can give at thecrosswaychurch.com. And I thank you for your support. And while we're talking about giving, uh, thank you for those who help us put uh, Expositor Study Bibles every week into the hands of inmates across the land. And just uh, I encourage you to be a part of that, to give and be a part of that. And, uh, well, looks like it's time to get in the Word. We're in chapter 5 of Galatians. This is session 49, and we are in verse 10. And uh, before I start, I'd like to always uh, remind us uh, the reason God stirred Paul the Apostle's heart to write this letter. And it was a letter. He wasn't there among them. He was, at this time, writing them a letter because he was hearing things about what was happening there. So the Lord stirs his heart to write. Just think about that for a minute. It was the Lord that was revealing to Paul what was happening there, whether it be through letters to him or messages. People came and told him, Paul, you're not going to believe what's happening in Galatia in the church. You're not or, or writing him a letter, but that in it of itself was a move of God. God uh, giving Paul what he needed to know to stir him so, to give them what the Lord said they needed, which is this letter to bring them back to uh, the, the place that's stable and firm and the place where uh, they can experience the things of God. Because if you move back under law, you forfeit all the benefits, all the experiences of, of being an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You forfeit the experience of all of that under under law, there is none. Christ, as we've already read in this chapter, can become of no effect to us if we go back under law. And that means our faith is in anything we're doing and not that which He did at Calvary. And that's why we always need to stop and remind ourselves why this letter was written, why we're studying it, and what the context was. And we're going to see some powerful things today in this fifth chapter. And I pray that you'd have your Bible and you'd follow along with us and share this for those many others that need more than a Bible reading program. They need to be studying the Word of God, expecting to hear from the Lord each time they get into the Word. Verse 10, chapter 5, Galatians says, I have confidence in you through the Lord. I ain't got no confidence in you 
that just because you're you. I have confidence in you, Paul is telling them, through the Lord. My faith has to be in the Lord and what He desires to do for you there. That you will be none otherwise minded. You need to you need to uh, make make a note there that it, it, it's all takes place. It all comes through the mind. It's all what we begin to th- hear and think about and ponder on, and then and then begin to believe. You've heard me say it through the years that we uh, live the way we live because we be- we we think the way we think, and we think the way we think because we believe what we believe. Believing is always at the root of everything. What we believe determines uh, how we think, and that determines how we act. And if you'll think about it, in Proverbs uh, 16 and 3, the Bible says that if we'll commit our works unto the Lord, He'll establish our thinking. Now think about that. that. That right there sounds to me like God's trying to give us the avenue of the removal of oppression and depression. Committing our works unto the God, to, to the Lord will allow Him to establish my thinking, and as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That means that if I'll commit my works to the Lord, believing in Christ, that's my works, to believe upon Christ, then He'll establish my thinking. And if He's establishing my thinking, all in my mind, if He's establishing my thinking, then that means some things are leaving that I don't need. Some things are going. I'm not being oppressed anymore. I'm not under depression anymore. You know, I, so that's, you need to think about those things. I said you need to think about those things because we're talking about the Word of God. He says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but that he that troubles you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. Paul doesn't know who it is. Paul probably has not been told, just the people from Jerusalem or the people from wherever. The people are telling us, Paul, that if we're not circumcised, we're not really saved. If we don't follow the law of Moses, we're not really saved. Or to make it complete, we have to do this, we have to do that. And they're trying to bring them back under law. And Paul says, listen, that way is a troublesome way. It's in your Bible. He says anybody preaching anything to you other than the message he's preached, the message of the cross, is a troublemaker. Anybody getting that today? I don't care how nice and how informed they are and how much of church history they can tell, spill out to you and who did this in the 1700s and that in the 1800s. If they're not pointing you to Calvary with the Word of God, they're making trouble for you. Because it's either the cross or law. It's not anything else. And so, I'm going to read this verse again. I want this to sink into us this morning. There's a lot being said in this one sentence. I have confidence. He's encouraging them there. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. You're not going to listen to them. You're going to stop listening to them. I'm I'm trusting the Lord. I'm trusting the Lord. But he that troubles you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. Notice what else Paul is saying here. He's got ju- These people who are preaching this false message, there's a judgment coming against them. There is a judgment coming against them. And because they're troubling, what does the Bible teach? It's better that, that you uh, have a millstone wrapped around your neck and tossed out in the sea than to distract or to... Poison my children, basically, paraphrasing is what the Bible says. One of these little ones, uh, talking about the children of God. You know, I mean, it, for, and let me say something this morning. Ignorance is no excuse. I, I can't help it that I didn't know for years. God didn't move and, 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 and teach me how to live in victory all those years. Because ignorance, it can't, even though I'm ignorant, God doesn't excuse it. And He doesn't just go ahead and do stuff anyway. And if you believe He does, you don't believe the book of Galatians. In ignorance, God says that He doesn't wink at it. He doesn't excuse it. He commands men everywhere to repent. Amen. So if you're rocking along and, and you don't know the message of the cross as far as the power to be able to live daily for God, you're not going to be able to live daily for God in victory. Not going to happen. Doesn't just happen by chance. And if you, if, because if you don't know this message, your faith is in something else. 
You can still tell people how to get saved. And they can get saved. But you can't teach anybody how to live in victory if you don't know yourself. Because it's not like it just happens to some people. It doesn't just happen to some people. The way of the flesh is very powerful. And all, all we have to do is just have a thought about, well, maybe that dream catcher, maybe that horoscope, maybe I do need to perfect, confess these words. Maybe I, we're surrounded with all sorts of things. Even without the help of other people, we're trapped in a fleshly body that wants to be something, that wants to put on a show, that wants to work its way to heaven, or wants to work its way into pleasing God. And, and all those things, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, I'm, I'm, I'm studying Proverbs, so get ready for Proverbs, that pride is an abomination unto the Lord. Think about that. Pride in chapter 16 of Proverbs were the... First or second or third, right up there at the very beginning, because that's where I'm at right now, says pride is an abomination to the Lord. And anybody whose faith is in anything other than the cross is in pride. So that means they're, what they're, they're not an abomination, but what they're believing is an abomination. Amen. Think about how powerful, how much that is. Because there are people that says, I, I'm not going to preach the cross. I'm not going to put my faith in the cross. Well, whatever they're believing and trusting in is an abomination to God. Why? Because anything other than faith in the cross in the eyes of God is pride. And I've got a Bible, and my Bible tells me that. So, uh, verse 11 says, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. Now, remember, Paul wasn't here, so people are lying about it. They'll lie about you if, if you ain't there. If you get up and leave the table, who are they most likely to talk about? The one who got up and left the table. If you're not at church and you're in one of them kind of churches, who are they most likely to talk about? You, because you're not there. We know the world, we know the flesh. Paul wasn't there, so people are making up stuff. And he gets word of it. They're saying, you're still preaching circumcision. That's why he said this. He's defending himself. Look, I'm not preaching circumcision. If I was preaching circumcision, there, I, wouldn't be in, I wouldn't be being persecuted. But he's, he, he's not there. People say things about you when you're not there. They leave church and they're mad at you. Oh, for you know what? That whole neighborhood over is mad at you because they've listened to that person who left the church disgruntled. They're not there. They can say, and here it comes, they can believe anything if they're not there. I always like to tell people that say something negative about Crossway Church, listen, don't listen to what everybody's telling you that's being preached there. Come and hear for yourself. Because they're disgruntled, they're in the flesh, they're mad because they're not faithful. They're mad at their own selves. And have you ever noticed that? And I'll try not to stay out on this rabbit trail too long. But when we, we start being unfaithful, we just can't handle it that it's our unfaithfulness. We'll start throwing, well, it's because of Him and you know what they do. And you, it, it, it starts out with us being unfaithful to God, but it ends up being because of them. And that's what's happening here. Not necessarily specifically that, but he's being, Paul's being accused because he's not there to defend himself. Well, you know, Paul, he's preaching circumcision. He's a Jew. And Paul has to write this letter and says, Look, if I was preaching circumcision, why am I suffering persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. Listen, it's one of the two. And this is why the, the main reason the main reason preachers won't preach the cross, well, it, it, number one reason is because they don't have the illumination of God's Word as it being the answer for everything. No, that's number one. Number two is it, when they start preaching it, uh, it brings an offense with it. It is an offense to the flesh every time, not just to the lost, but to the church. It's an offense to the flesh, period. 
The message of the cross is an offense to my flesh because my flesh wants to run faster, jump higher, look better, talk better. My flesh wants to be at the top of everything and get the trophy and the t-shirt too. But the cross says, all your best deeds are filthy rags to me. Look unto my son and what he did at Calvary. That's the only thing I'm pleased with. It's the only work I'll accept. It's the only way I'll clothe you with what you need to wear. It's the only way I'll inhabit you and work through you and provide for you. Everything else is just you. And our flesh don't like that. Even though we boast in the cross today, if you're honest, you'll have to admit there's some days that come along, uh, lots of days, that your flesh, your flesh just doesn't like this humble way. Your flesh will scream, I'm tired of being humble! I'm tired of getting ran over. I'm tired of getting bypassed. I'm tired of getting pushed aside. I'm tired of... No, listen. Look to the cross. That's where you find God being pleased with your faith. That's where you find yourself as complete. That's where you find everything you're looking for. It's when we get in the flesh that we want to start exalting the flesh. Amen. If we're walking in the Spirit, as we'll get to maybe next week or sometime in the next year. (laughs) But if you're walking in the Spirit, the flesh is going to be where it needs to be. Amen. The truth always offends flesh. Think about that. Mm, That's pretty powerful. The truth will always offend the flesh. Paul says in verse 12, I would that they were cut off, which trouble you. First of all, he's already said something that will make people leave the church today. He says in verse 10, uh, He that troubles you is going to bear his own judgment. Whoever They're going to be judged out there. Oh, don't be so mean and ugly. You know God's merciful. He's gracious. And they start quoting all these things that are factual and reality. But they, but they don't want to think about God being judge. And, you know, we need to read the whole New Testament and understand the Bible just uh, tells us that... What, what does the Bible tell us the reason is that we could, we could be cut off if we forget the goodness of God and that it's by faith we live? Mm-hmm. What's that? Romans 11. We can be cut off if we forget the goodness of God and that it's by faith we live, not by who we are and what we've done. And that's heady and high-minded pride that will cause God to resist you. Amen, Brother Curtis. But then he says in verse 12, I I hope these folks get cut off which trouble you. You know, it's kind of like preachers and, and, and saints alike across the, the board. If, if, if God sees our hearts, so why try to uh, be a hypocrite? Some people, man, they've been in church and they've been nothing but a problem. All they do is gripe. All they do is complain. All they do is notice cobwebs, but they never go get the broom to take them down. They always got a problem with him or her or them. They're just problems. And, and you know, you know, you're like, Lord, help them, Lord, to see the truth. Help them because liberty Liberty and freedom can come, uh, not just from sin, but freedom from not being able to shut that mouth. And Lord, help us all around here. And and when they leave the church, it's like it's like you know, half of us says, "God, I hate they left," and the other half says, "Thank you, God, they left." That's the whole mind of Paul right here. I hope they get cut off from you. If they're not going to get right, if they're not going to repent, if they're not going to come around, not to you and what you want, but to the truth and to that which humbles and causes us to begin to walk out our deliverance and we're, we're not talking about everybody like we used to and we're not uh, saying things we used to, but now we're learning to, to, to let our, our, our words be seasoned, uh, you know, uh, What's the Bible say? Words uh, of grace seasoned with salt. And we all start talking the same thing. And, uh, you know, but that's, that's just reality. God, I hate they left, but I'm glad they left. 
because they were they were hindering the congregation. Anybody who's in a church, especially a church uh, where they're preaching the cross, where the message is available for you to be applying that truth and be being saved, changed daily, so that you don't remain the way you are. We all need that. Can I get a witness? And we all need that. And if it, it, folks that won't apply it, and, and they're not going to stay there because eventually the, the conviction is going to be so powerful, not condemnation, that's what they'll leave saying, but the conviction will be so strong that this message is not just for her and for them over there. Mm-hmm. No, this message is for me. He's talking to me. I need, I need this, and Lord, I need your help. And if we don't get to that place where this message begins to change us, we'll get out of ministry. We'll get out of church. We'll get out of the Word. If we're not being changed for the glory of God, think about it. He says, verse 12, I would that they were even cut off which trouble you. Now, now, that's what all preachers wish and hope and pray for. Lord, first of all, open their eyes and let them see. Grant them repentance. That's our heart. Because I know you love them like you love everybody else. But if they're not going to get right, Lord, I, I need you to get them out of here. I need you to cut them. I need you to get rid of them because they're hindering the whole move of God. They're, and that's what they were doing. Listen, when somebody comes around preaching law, telling the law, I don't care how sweet and nice and pleasant they may seem and all the other knowledge they may have, when they come around not pointing people to the cross, they're causing trouble. We just look at people causing trouble because they're they're ugly and outright, uh, uh, you know, just uh, belligerent and looking down on people and all that. No, in the spirit, you need to be able to have discernment. If they're not pointing people to Calvary, if they're pointing people just to read more Bible and pray more, go to church more, and those things are good, but that's not the answer for deliverance and victory. And if they're pointing people in those directions of works and flesh and law, then they're making trouble. You see, the story of Ahab and Elijah is pretty much the same thing. Uh, in the natural, it would appear Elijah is the troublemaker. But he wasn't the troublemaker. Ahab was the troublemaker. You know, yes, God was using Elijah to stop the rain. So in the natural, it appears he's causing the problem. My whole flock died because of Elijah. No, my whole flock died because God ain't letting it rain because we are a sinful people. It's what, it, you know, it's, it's like people that says, I ain't gonna serve a God that would send his people into a whole city and destroy all men, women, and babies and everything. And people that say that are just the people that don't understand sin and the goodness and the love of God. They just don't want to believe in God anyway. Because they are their own God. Uh, but verse 13, hey, we're making some leeway here this morning. Man, y'all better jump in the road and slow me down a little bit. Verse 13, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now, here's where he starts talking about don't use what you were called unto for a license to live in sin. Don't use... This liberty you've been given that he's previously told them, make sure you stand fast in. And while you're standing fast in it, listen, don't start using that liberty for an occasion to live in the flesh. It's like the woman that told me years ago, had a foul mouth, was in church every time the doors were open. And this was years and years and years ago, probably 25 years ago. And, 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 uh, and when confronted one day by a humble preacher man that I knew about her mouth, she said, listen, you don't tell me about my mouth. I've been in church 40 years. She said, and the Bible says, can't no man tame his tongue. And... <laughs> See, they use scriptures out of context. Instead of being conformed into the image of Christ, instead of having words seasoned with salt, words of grace, uh, you know, that benefit and edify others, a foul mouth can't do that. 
So when you're saying, using Scripture, well, no, the Bible says, can't no man tame the tongue, and, you know, quoting the book of James, that means you're in the flesh, and you're not willing to change. You're not going to, she's the same woman that told me she didn't take communion. Because if you got sin in your life, you're not supposed to take communion. Do you, do you see, <laughs> if you could see into that just a little bit, she thinks she's got an edge on God. She's controlling God. God can't do nothing to me now because I ain't taking communion. There's sin in my life, so I ain't taking communion, so God can't do nothing to me. Do you know? Listen, the problem with that is I got sin in my life. I should say, God, I'm sorry. I love you. Forgive me. I want to take communion. I want to be walk in a place where I'm experiencing the forgiveness and the refreshing. But no, we, we're, and I'm not making fun of her, but we've done that. We think we've got a corner on God and we can manipulate God. I ain't taking communion because the Bible says if I take communion with known sin in my life I'm not repenting of, then weakness, sickness, and death can come on me and, and, and horrible things can happen. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 11 tells us that. But So if I think, well, I ain't going to take communion then because I'm not repenting either. That's what the whole point was. I'm not taking communion because I'm not repenting. Think about that. So I got you, God. Oh, no. Sin has got you. Amen. It's powerful, isn't it? So, and, and, and really, the grace revolution folks out there, they don't understand this one verse right here. Because they are using the liberty they have as saved children of God as an occasion to the flesh. Because it's the flesh. If you if you think your answer for overcoming sin is declaring that you're the righteousness of God, that's well, that's that's faith not in the cross, which is where you were declared by God through your faith to be the righteousness of God in Christ. But your declaration of that without your faith in that can't do a thing for you. See how easy it is to move your faith from the actual work of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ on the cross, to your declaration. And it's not ever the words you speak, it's always the faith that you have from the heart. And a lot of people are confessing words that are not being believed in their heart, because if they were being believed in their heart, their lives would be being changed. Mm. And I need to say this this morning. 500 more years in this life, we'd still be imperfect. But somebody needs to hear me this morning. We're supposed to be bearing more fruit, much fruit. We're supposed to be being seen as the children of God who love each other, who have lives above reproach. Doesn't mean we won't ever make a mistake, but it means we won't live 40 years as a gossip. We won't live 40 years as a thief. We won't live 40 years as a, a, a bound under something. It means we are growing and we are maturing, and our fruit is being seen more. And if that's not you, you can come to a place where they preach the cross, where that message is the power of God and can change your life. Amen, Brother Curtis. Hey, hey, hey. Now watch this. This is, this is, we miss this in verse 13. We miss this so many times. Paul is not just going to change the subject and start talking about love. He's not, no, just, oh, I'm going to change everything now. I'm going to start talking about love. No, he's just going to bring love into a greater confirmation of what he's talking about. Watch this. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. That means faith in Christ and Him crucified. For there were you liberated. Only use not liberty for an occasion to live in the flesh. That means your liberty is not for living in the flesh. It's for living by faith. Amen. That's in, right there in your Bible, right there. He says, but by love serve one another. That's powerful. By love serve one another. Think about why. Why does Paul br start bringing love into this now? And it's because... If you go back under... Now, this is going to be good now. You better get your pencil. If you go back under law, you can't love folk. Except with the worldly love you used to love them with when you were lost. 
If you go back under law, if you go back believing that you've got to wear the shawl, the beanie, you've got to blow the shofar, you've got to set up the sacraments, you've got to do anything to be saved or to live saved, sanctification, then you're under law. If your faith is in the words you speak, that's law. If your faith is in uh, the government of twelve, the purpose driven, the, the promise keepers, any movement, if your faith is in anything other than the cross, you can't love folk. Except with the love you used to love them with, that's a worldly love. Watch it, we'll see it. He says, but by love serve one another. Do you know if you're not loving folk, you're not serving them in the eyes of God? Not in the plan of God. Oh, and people will hear this and they'll say, I'll show that preacher. It ain't about the cross. I can go buy somebody lunch at Dairy Queen today. No, no, no. In God's eyes, you're not even serving Him unless your faith is in the cross. Because to serve God, you've got to serve righteousness. And to serve righteousness, your faith has to be in that which made you a servant of righteousness. And we'll get to that next chapter, chapter 6, about 2021. So you just keep tuning in. And uh, we're, we're, we're kind of moving a little quicker today, though. But no, we're going to read this again. We may not leave this little portion of Scripture. We need the understanding of this today. For brethren, you've not been, you have been called, rather, unto liberty. Only don't use this liberty for an occasion to live in the flesh. But... In this liberty, you can love, you can serve one another by love. Not in the flesh, you can't serve each other by love. In the flesh, you can't serve it. Listen, we serve each other by love. We serve each other by faith. And this confirms what I've said over the last two or three months that people wrinkle up their foreheads at. You can't love God. I get tired of it. And it's okay because they don't know what they're saying because they've said it 80 years. They just keep saying it. And, and it is a factual statement, but the love has changed. When we hear people say, I know they love God, but they just don't understand this message. I know they love God. And that, and that, you know, and that's, that's one thing. But to say I love God, but to refuse this message. But hear me, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to milk this down, lighten this too much. If your faith is not in the cross, your faith is not right faith. And it's by faith that we love God. That's pretty. That's pretty clear to me. We worship God by faith. We give to God by faith. We pray in faith, or we're not praying, right? Everything we do toward God, for God, with God, by the power of God, it's all by faith. It's all by grace through faith. It's all by faith. And it's the faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave Himself for us. Faith works by love. And everything we do is by faith. And if our faith is wrong, then it's, it's not happening. It's only make-believe. It's only what? Form. Even though there's feelings with form, there's emotions with form, but there's no power with form. They deny the power. Only having a form. Now I know this gets everybody real quiet. They're like, we're all trying to figure this out. Well, I know they love God. They love God. But the Bible here says, if we're in the flesh, we can't serve one another by love. Does it say that? Let's read it again. For brethren, you have been called under liberty, but don't use your liberty for an occasion. It doesn't really say your liberty. It says only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. By love, serve one another. Now, I have some things I wrote down in my office this morning that I want to uh, mention here while we're in a Bible study. And, and let's read verse 14 because it goes right along with this. And verse 15, why not? Because all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Now, he didn't just say, forget everything I've been talking about. Now, let's talk about love. No, he's talking about if you get caught up in what they're teaching you, if you leave the faith and go back into the law, into the flesh, you're going to bite and devour one another. You're going to consume one another. It's not going to be good. Listen, you've got to love one another and it cannot be done. You've got to serve each other by love and it cannot be done in the flesh based on what they're teaching you. They're teaching you law. And under law is nothing but the manifestation of flesh. And you can't serve each other by love in the flesh. Now, I said it good that time. They're teaching law. That means they're using God's Word to point to something other than Christ and what He did at Calvary. They're under law. That means all they have going on in their lives is flesh. And in the flesh, you can't serve one another by love. You can't do it. That What you are going to see come into a church theater near you is a church split because you're in the flesh. You you say you love each other, but the day she looked at your shoes wrong, that love has gone out the window. That day, since I've been given in that church 30 years and they went and got new carpet and didn't tell me, asked me what color I thought we needed. Listen, that's flesh. Church split. Another church over here now, church split, ah, another church, because we don't know how to walk after the Spirit, which is what he's going to start talking about here in just a moment, in this same letter right here with this. But I want to give you three scriptures, uh, if you're taking notes, write these things down, this is good stuff, watch this now, and, and let me say a couple more things here, I'm looking at the scriptures, he says, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But, here, the contrary to that, by love serve one another because all the law is fulfilled. In one word, even in this. See, they're talking about fulfilling the law by getting circumcised. They're talking about fulfilling the law by you obeying all the commandments of Moses and the ceremonies and rituals and right. But here Paul, the Holy Ghost says, no, listen, because all the law is fulfilled in this, what I'm about to tell you in one word, even this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Not circumcision can't fulfill the law. Jesus fulfilled the law because He loved you and gave Himself for you. And if that's where your faith is, not the law, then you can love each other and serve each other by love. If your faith is not in the cross, you're just waiting for an explosion that's coming soon to a theater near you. I know what it's like to be in ministry and go on vacation with those people and love them and you think and, and, and be with them a lot and minister with them a lot and you, you, in, in, that, in that time period you think you're going to be together forever. This is it. We found it. This is it. Feels so good. And then one day, in the twinkling of an eye, you're on the outside looking in and you don't even like each other anymore. In a day's time, boom. Because you didn't know, not you nor them, do they know how to serve each other by love. They think it's emotions and feelings. I know preachers and their wives right now, if they catch wind, somebody might be thinking about leaving the church. They're disgruntled. They'll get up on the platform and they'll have a crying fit to move somebody's emotions to keep them there. I know it personally. I know them. They will move you in your emotions to keep you there, to make you feel sorry for them, or however, I, it's all, it's not faith-based, it's feelings and emotions, and feelings and emotions are good, don't get me wrong, until you start manipulating folks with them. Mm. So, for because, he says, the reason uh, that you need to serve each other by love is because all the law is fulfilled in this one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's not an option, that's a command. Let me say that again. That's not an option, it's a command. And I want you to know today in this Bible study, whoever you are, wherever you are, that as a Christian, we are called to establish the law. Jesus fulfilled it. We can walk in its fulfillment. And as our faith remains in the cross, we are a, the law of faith now is establishing the law. Romans 3.21. I'm glad you got your Bibles. Turn back a few pages. Romans 3.21. 
I'm sorry, Romans 3 and 31. Do then, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. The law has already been fulfilled by Christ. He came, fulfilled all the law, every jot, every tittle, every line, every precept. He fulfilled it. That means He filled it up with Him, the revelation of Himself. Amen. He didn't do it. God ain't done away with nothing. The sin nature still exists, even though it be, don't, the devil still exists, even though he's defeated and can be resisted. Listen, the law still out there doing what it does, and we, we're not held under it in bondage anymore. We've been freed. Listen, we've become dead to the law by the law. And alive to God through faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary. You and I are called to now establish the law. And here in Galatians, the Holy Spirit's telling us how we do that. The, the law, people under law, are, will always try to tell you what you have to do to fulfill the law. And people under grace will point you to the cross, the place the law was fulfilled. And if that's where your faith is, your faith then becomes legitimate and works by that love. And now you can serve each other by loving them. You can't love me with the love of God if your faith is not in the cross. I don't care how emotional and and feelings-oriented you are. And if you'll spend money buying me lunch, that is a type of love. But if your faith is not in the cross... You're not operating in the love of God. You're operating in the flesh. And the flesh is not always a fifth of whiskey and a foul mouth. The flesh can be a preacher who seems to be the most humble person on the planet. We're talking about in the eyes of God, not men. Humility always gets grace, and grace is God at work, and God won't work outside the perimeters of truth. Romans 8 and 2 and Psalms 33 and 4. God won't work outside the perimeters of truth. There's a lot of people listening to the message of the cross who still don't believe that. They still think, well, God still works in... If you got a Bible and you're a Bible believer, you better let that alone, and you better quit telling yourself that. Because you'll talk yourself right into worshiping a tree frog one day. God only works in truth, Psalms 33, 4. And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of life, only works in Christ Jesus to make us free from the law of sin and death. Do you understand that? The Holy Spirit works by law. It's always been a law with God. It went from the law of Moses to now the law of faith. The law of faith establishes the law establishes it. And the Bible here says that... And let me read these other couple of scriptures I got for you. Uh, Galatians uh, no, no, yeah, Galatians 6 and 2. If we bear the burdens of others, we fulfill the law. You fulfill the law. I thought Christ came and fulfilled the law. Yes, He did. And if your faith is in what He did to fulfill the law, that means dying as an obedient Savior for you and me. If that's where our faith is, then the fullness, the fulfillment of the law that He fulfilled, we will be found walking in that fulfillment, which is love. Amen. So Galatians 6.2 again says, Bearing the burdens of others, we fulfill the law. How's that happening? Because if, listen, if I'm carrying your burdens with me, that means I'm loving you. I'm loving, I'm not talking about, uh, if I'm carrying your burdens, uh, just in any old emotional, I'm carrying your burdens to the cross with you. You understand that? I'm not just sitting around weeping and crying with you over your burdens. I'm carrying your burdens to the cross with you. Because that's where we go. That's where I go. If you go somewhere else, then I really can't bear your burdens with you. That's a powerful statement. Unless I can talk you into, and it really ain't me, it's just telling you what the Word says, unless the Holy Spirit can inform you and enlighten you that you need to take your burdens to the cross, if that's not what I'm trying to, the Lord through me is trying to get you to see and to do, then I really can't carry your burdens with you. Because I take my burdens to the cross. If you're trying to carry your burdens to the law of works, then we're going in two different directions. And I can't even bear your burdens with you. I can cry over your situation. I can pray for you. But to bear your burden, 
I take it to the one and what He did at the cross to be able to accept our burdens. Praise God. Mm. Now, the third verse I want to bring you, I've already given you Romans 3.31 and Galatians 6.2. And now here in this same uh, chapter 5, verse 14, the Bible says, let's look at it together. All the law is fulfilled in one word. All the law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we all love ourselves. We all love ourselves. A little bit more than we should sometimes. Amen. Let's read verse 13 again. I don't want to move through this too quick. don't want to run away. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Christians, you've been called unto liberty. But don't use liberty for an occasion to live in the flesh. But by love, serve one another. You know, you know just the first example that comes to my mind about how I can use my liberty to live in the flesh, to give my flesh occasion? Oh, drinking's okay. See, that's a fleshly thing. And let me say it again today for those who get mad about it. Any reason you give for consuming alcohol, that reason is something that you're denying the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to do for you. Whatever that is. It's a fleshly thing. Mm -hmm. Not going to church is of the flesh. Because it's not the will of God. It's not the Word of God that you not be planted in the house of the Lord. Amen. And there are a whole list of other things we could list. And you, you, you You can't serve me by love. If you're under the law, and that's, that's what that's what the Holy Spirit's trying to get them to see. You, you're, you listen, and le- if you're listening to what they're teaching you, that those they're troubling you because they're gonna they're leading you to a place that you're gonna d- bite and devour and consume one another. You, 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 and it'll all be in the name of the Lord. You understand that? We why church splits happen is the flesh. But it's all in the name of the Lord. Some church splits need to take place, but there's only one legitimate church split, and that's when the message of the cross comes in and causes the offense, and those who won't refuse it have to go across town, get them an old Piggly Wiggly building, and keep lying to everybody else. Amen. Because the message of the cross is the only message that gives us, offers to us the liberty that God has, allows us to learn to walk in that love and to be able to serve each other by love. Because no longer does the cross, the cross doesn't have a message that now, Gladys, you love chastity as long as she's treating you right and loving you. The cross doesn't do that. The cross now takes that old sucker that has that attitude and says, you are no more. You're a new creature now in Christ, and now you can serve everyone by loving them. Amen. Telling them the truth, being the example for them, uh, living this life, not going back under the law. Amen. Powerful, isn't it? Powerful. We are told here to serve one another by love, which cannot be done under law. No matter how much, you know, and I know I'm, I'm thinking right now of a preacher who, who actually, when the message of the cross came into that town months ago, uh, they, they, this one particular church was going to really sponsor that. And the preacher of that church, when they had the meeting, he said, are we sure that we want that message in our community? I want you to know. That proves the message is not in the community, in the pulpit, in that church at least. We can say that. That means if that's not the message in that pulpit, that means they can't serve each other by love. They can get together and they can shed tears together and they can have a dinner after every service and they can put on a show like they're walking in love. But if their faith is not anchored in the cross... And they're not growing in the grace that comes through the cross only, then their love has gone back into a fleshly love. That's it. You, you listen. The lost people will pay your electric bill. 
Lost people will stop and change your flat on a rainy day. Lost people will give you the jacket they have to keep you. Lost people have a show. And the, and the world's lostness has come into the church and brought a great deception. We don't need the cross. We can just love each other. No, you can't love each other without faith in the cross. You can, but it ain't the love God put in your heart as a child of God. Amen. Pretty powerful. Going back under law is elimination from serving one another by love. Now, if Brother Swaggart is right, and I believe he pretty much is, that most of the church today doesn't have one clue about what we're talking about, the message of the cross, and that most don't even want it, then that means if the, whatever the numbers are, all involved in that number, they can't serve each other by love. I remember being in a ministry where the preacher gets up and preaches on coming back to your first love. We left church that night thinking we've come back to our first love. No, you don't come back to your first love because you heard a message about first love. You come back to your first love because you've repented from your sinful, wrong object of faith. You've been found by God not to be walking in His Son. You've been found to be outside of the faith, preaching all sorts of things, using God's Word in an unrighteous manner. You've been found in that condition just like these Galatians were being warned of. And I'm sure that, I hope not, but I'm pretty sure that that day people are just like people in this day. Some of these folks said, Paul ain't even here. I believe what I was told by them other people. He's out there preaching circumcision. I don't believe everything he wrote in that. Might not even be a letter from Paul. You know how doubters and... But those who have the Spirit of God, those who've been born again, are going to recognize truth in the Word. You might rebel against it because it is an offense to the flesh, but a Christian, a true child of God, is going to know that what they're hearing about the cross and the Word of God is right. Amen. Our spirit bears witness with the Spirit of God that we are the children of God. And if, we're, and if we can bear witness with that, then that means we can also bear witness with the truth. When it comes forth. Now our flesh may make us run away, slam the door, get mad at people. But if we're a child of God, we'll know that that's the truth that's being spoken. And I believe that's the case all over America. And I believe that's why most Christians won't bring their Bible to a brother whoever or a brother Curtis or a sister whoever. They'll just stand out there from a distance in bad mouth saying, I don't believe it because I just don't believe it. But they won't bring their Bibles because they know they don't have Scripture to back up what they believe. And we stand on the Word of God. We stand on the Scriptures. We, there still is a people in the earth today that tremble at the Word of God. That means they live according to the Word of God. I'm not talking about a perfect people. I'm talking about God gave us His Word so He could do a perfect work in us by faith. It's all by faith. It's all by faith. It's all by grace through faith. And Romans 4 teaches that. It's all, it has to be by faith so that it can be by grace. I've got about seven and a half minutes. I'll share with you this little analogy the Lord gave me on my Romans teaching and, and for that statement right there alone. And that's not just initial salvation. That's daily salvation. It's always by grace through faith. If God's given me a gift, it's because He wants to function through me in that gift. And that's all by grace through faith. And God has always worked this way. And you'll have to forgive the little country analogy. And I don't want to ever downplay the will of God in somebody's life. But when God showed up in Adam's life at the very beginning when he was in the garden, said, here it is, I've given you not just the garden, I've given you the entire earth. It's yours. Have dominion over it. Subdue it. Uh, take dominion. Uh, replenish the earth. And, 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 and what God was doing, you know, he was telling him, you're free to eat all the trees in the garden. Just don't eat of that tree over there. And what God was doing, so to speak, was taking the ball and bouncing it over at Adam. This is all I've done for you. By faith, you can walk in it if you hear what I'm telling you. And Adam had the ball. He could bounce the ball, but when Adam sinned against God by disobeying what he'd been told, he lost the ball. He gave it up. 
But what did God do? God rushed in on the scene, gave the promise verbally, showed him a picture of an innocent, perfect, uh, substitutional sacrifice that God would do. That's grace. I'll do this. Not you. I'll do this. And when God gave him that promise, he tossed the ball back in his court. It's on you again. It has to be by faith that it might be by grace. And grace is what God does, not what we do. What we do is have faith. We believe. That's our only thing is to believe. And, and, uh, and, and when Jesus died on the cross, God took the ball. For all humanity, Jesus tasted death by the grace of God. Hebrews 2.9, God took the ball, bounced it to every human being that would ever live, says the ball's in your court. I've done what has to be done. You have the ball. Will you believe? It's by grace through faith, not just to get in the kingdom, but to operate in the kingdom. And grace only flows through the cross. Not because you got saved 40 years ago. Grace only comes today because you're humble and still believe the cross is the only answer for everything that God has for you. And the church in Galatia, they're struggling. They're, they're, they're being lied to. And if we start believing that the cross is not the answer, we're going the wrong direction. That's the reason for the letter to the Galatian church. They're being attacked. Look at, turn your TV on. You're under attack. There's hardly any preachers. You, I mean, there's ministers that know all about all. They spend their whole lives talking about the rapture and the second coming of Christ. Praise God for the knowledge of that. But that ain't what I need to know today. What I need to know today is how to live in victory that Christ afforded me at Calvary. Those things can edify me. I know He's coming. I know there's going to be a rapture. But if it don't happen today, what do I need today? I need the power of God to live this life pleasing to God over Amen. Amen. I don't need a greater revelation of the second coming of Christ. I know He's coming. I need to know how to live in victory. And if the answer would have been just focus on the rapture, just focus on the second coming, preach it for 40 years, Paul would have told them that in Galatia. But he didn't tell them that. Amen. He didn't tell them that. He told them the answer is the cross. The answer is the cross. And then next week when we get together, we're going to start talking about walking in the Spirit. This is where we can get ready to have a big bonfire. We can go home and get all our charismaniac books and, and false Pentecostal books written. And we'll just have a big bonfire. Bring all your books. We'll light a fire out in the yard. Because walking in the Spirit is not what they all teach. We're right here. We're in context. Love is a part of our walk and love is a result of our faith in the cross. That's why you can love anybody even that's hating you. If they hang you up on a pole for a, and use you for a light before they kill you, before it kills you, you can still love them people that are doing that. You know what God showed me the other day? A marvelous, great picture of what it means that grace is greater than sin and love is greater than sin. Jesus Christ was being crucified by men who hated Him and mocked Him and, and didn't want anything to do with God or Him. And, 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 and yes... God was even using them to do that. And that's going to be one of the greatest torments in hell. You know, they're going to have bodies just like we have, new bodies that are eternal bodies, but they're going to be suffering outward torment. But the inward torment, I believe with all my heart, the inward torment for all who go to hell will be that God was using me my whole life and I never subjected myself to Him. God's using the devil. God's using all the demons. God is using all the wicked. God is using everything on the planet because He created it for Himself. And it's all being used by Him. For Him. Amen. And, and, and we need to think about those things. Y'all made me forget where I was going, but that's alright. I'll remember it here in a couple of weeks. You need to, you need to think about it. Everything's being used by God. And the greatest torment, inward torment, in that soul and spirit that's eternal, for all of eternity will be that God was using me in spite of me. And I never would just believe in Him and that He gave His Son for me. I rejected that all my life. 
And now I've got to suffer the torment. That's going to be the greatest torment in hell. Not the, I don't believe it's going to be the pain on the outside of a burning body that will never die. I believe it will be the inward portions of an eternal being that will be tormented inwardly by thoughts because there will never be another hope. There will never be grace and mercy. There will never be an open door to get out. It was all offered to them previously of them choosing to go to that place. We don't even like to think about that these days. And rightly so, but it's real. And, and, and listen, if there's not, if there's not, Paul, the New Testament's not written just so we could learn how to lay up treasure for ourselves and bear the fruit of the Spirit. The New Testament is written so we'll know the way to go so that we can even see the end of the saving of our souls. We can make it to the finish line. The lie about once saved, always saved. Why do you think that's coming to the church? Because that allows you to get in the flesh and just throw in the towel and quit because it's God's grace anyway. But God's grace is what He does only based on your faith. Mm. So you better keep running. You better keep fighting. You better keep believing. I don't care what those around you say. You better get in the Word of God and put your faith in the cross. And if your faith is there... God's flowing in your life and you can love people in spite of people and you'll be able to keep going and when lies come to you, you'll see them for what they are and you'll be able to walk in the truth. Amen. It's been a good hour. We enjoy you being with us. Don't forget to give at thecrosswaychurch.com. Don't forget to pray for us, which is the most important thing. And until next week, right here on 9 o'clock Friday morning, stay determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified.